1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set.
2: So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tallboys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com/packaday. P A C K A D A Y. That's liquiddeath.com/packaday. 20 minutes a day. Hundred sixty five days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl whoo i Took a hot second before I hit the record button on this one. I rewatched the game on the condensed version over on NFL Plus and just took some time to think and marinate on this one a little bit because this was a really difficult game in so many facets for so many reasons and clearly it's not just one game. This is the Packers team for the most part that we've seen through six games now. And you can say like their record is their record. I Three and three might be generous for the way that this team has played through six games so far. You guys know me probably well enough, unless this is your first time watching this, that I am generally very optimistic about the Packers. And I've said on numerous occasions, usually the tape isn't quite as bad as it seems initially. And a lot of times when you win big, it's usually not quite as good as you thought initially. I'll hold full judgment until I see the All-22 that's not out quite yet. But on rewatch, it was just as bad, if not worse, than it felt certainly watching it live. And there will be a lot of reactions to this game. We will hear a lot of diagnosis uh, for what's wrong with the Packers through the first six weeks of this season. I'm sure there will be a lot of Devontae Adams, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of front office, Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur, all of it, right? The truth is, and I tweeted this out right after the game, that there is truly nothing, and I mean this in the fullest sense, there is nothing that this Packers team does well at this time, or at least not well enough, like point to it, right? They're not getting turnovers. They're not winning the turnover battle. They're not converting third downs. The quarter, like the, the quarterback play is not good enough. Passing the ball is not good enough. Running the ball is not good enough. Defense is completely inconsistent. Uh, they can't come up with big plays. They can't stop the run. They can't tackle. They can't block up front. Like the special teams is now once again, awful. Like they, th- this is another brutal performance from the special teams. There is nothing that you can point to. There's a couple players that you can point to, by the way, let's throw, if you're looking for a positive in this game, at at first glance, I thought Jair Alexander had a really nice game in this game. If you're looking for any other positives, you're probably not going to get it out of this show today. I'm just telling you right up being totally real because it doesn't deserve it. Like the, the Packers don't deserve any benefit of the doubt for the product that they're putting on the field right now. And like I said, there is nothing that I can point to and say, this is what they're doing well right now. Not game planning, not scheming, not coaching, not getting the most out of their players, not executing, none of it. None of the, the X's and O's, not the Jimmy's and Joe's, none of it. There is nothing that you can point to and say, this is something they could lean on moving forward, or I think they're just a hair away from this moving forward. There is nothing. I think we do see flashes out of this defense. I do, but flashes against Who? Zach Wilson, Bailey Zappi, Daniel Jones, you know, Tom Brady with no receivers. And by the way, the Bucks are three and three. So it's, yeah, whatever. Like they have not performed up to expectations. And that's like the the best of anything, right? Is a extremely inconsistent defense that is still performing far below the expectations that we had for them going into the season. And let me ask this, and I'll start from an offensive standpoint. I, there are so many things that I want to like get to right off the bat, because in, in a normal situation, there's about 10 things in this show that I could have led off with that is worth talking about right at the top. And we talked a little bit about it already, just that they're not doing anything well. But what is this team's identity exactly? Let's start on offense. What is their identity on offense? You start with a, a base offense that you want to execute. All right, so are they a stretch zone team? Are, there, are they an inside running team? Are they a quick bubble screen team? Are they a team that wants to attack on the outsides one-on-one to Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs? Are they a middle-of-the-field team? There, there's nothing. Are they a screen team? Are they, wh- what are they? There is no offensive identity on this team right now and it is beyond clear. It is beyond clear that this team has to be a run first team with a sound defense and a special teams that doesn't have massive screw ups. They are an inconsistent defense that had a special teams that just had some pretty massive screw ups and an offense that has no identity and has seemingly no desire to run the football. So what is the goal exactly then i get that they want to take advantage of the open space on defense if that means it's outside deep down the field that's what they want to take advantage of if you think there's any defensive coordinator right now that is losing sleep about you throwing 50 50 balls to alan lazard or romeo dobbs on the outside you are sadly sadly mistaken yeah, you're going to you know complete a couple. Alan Lazard had a 35-yard completion down the sideline. Do you have any idea the degree of difficulty on that catch? He is in between two defenders, the ball had to be perfectly placed, and then Alan Lazard had to somehow crazily manipulate his body to get two feet down to just get 35 yards on a play. Th- that, that play needed like the exact execution that it got. If one thing goes slightly different, not only is that maybe incomplete, that could have easily been picked. Like Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard individually needed to be perfect on that play for that to work. You can't make an offense out of that. You can't do that over and over. The percentage on that play is extremely small. And kudos, tip your cap to Lazard and Rodgers for completing that one. But we have seen deep shot, deep shot, deep shot, deep shot, incomplete, 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 incomplete. Defenses are not scared of you on the outside. They have no fear in matching up one-on-one with you, especially when they've got corners like Sauce Gardner, who like Romeo Dobbs is probably your one kind of guy who has the potential to maybe be that explosive guy right now. And Sauce Gardner is just going to match him up and be like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. Like, we're fine. Like if they have anyone like that, which most teams have a good corner, like okay, that's done. And like I said, you can maybe hit like Lazard on the back shoulder in the end zone. Okay, great. You can hit on two of like Green Bay hit on two of those. They hit on two explosives. You're not going to beat any. You're not going to beat anybody that way. So if if that's, if that's your offense, if that's your identity, is picking on those mismatches. Hey, they're going to give us one on one outside. We're going to take those shots. You don't have the personnel to do that. You cannot make a living doing that. And again, I, I I will say this with emphasis again. If your idea of the mismatch is Romeo Dobbs one-on-one against Sauce Gardner or Alan Lazard one-on-one on the outside and just hero balls down the field to take advantage of that single high safety because they're starting to pack the box. By the way, they're not even packing the box in the second half. They're playing two deep safeties. So then like, <laughs> like it's... It's all bad on offense right now, and there's nothing you can lean on. So they have no identity on offense whatsoever, nothing that they can go to. And heaven forbid, with Aaron Jones, once again at halftime, has four touches. And you can very clearly say, Andy, did you see the offensive line and defensive line for the Jets in this game? Do you really want to keep running into Quinn and Williams for five-yard losses? Is that a good idea to keep giving Aaron Jones the ball? No, it's not. But one, Aaron, like, it'd be nice if Aaron Rodgers hit Aaron Jones on the nine route on the outside where he was wide open and Rodgers threw him out of bounds. It would certainly be nice if they got him a little bit more involved sideline to sideline rather than just running up the middle to those, uh, you know, gap shooting defensive linemen. And you, actually, in the second half, we saw, like, get those defensive Alignment uh, flying up the field and then run a trap or like a quick, you know, uh, a quick draw inside to get them where they're like trying to, uh, you know, over pursue a little bit. Like some of that worked in the second half, but they ran those to, to Dylan, of course, and not to Aaron Jones. It's, it is maddening. Like, I don't even care if like the, the the offensive line's getting their butt kicked. You still have to figure out a way to get Aaron Jones the ball more than four times in the first half. Next, again, we could have led off with this as well. Where where is the heart of this football team and who is the heart of this football team? There seems to be nobody that is willing to step up and get this team fired up to the point that it needs to be to play a good football game against a Jets team that, quite frankly, is not very good. We'll talk about more on that at the end. But you, you're coming off a really tough loss. You're three and two. the The Giants beat you in London. And I don't know if there's like the excuses of, well, it was overseas and you weren't prepared, but clearly we'll get back to green Bay and play at home and play the jets and things are going to be fine. It's not. And when it's three to three at halftime and you get a three and out to start the second half, like even if what you did in the first half didn't work, all right. You know, I know halftime adjustments are overrated. There's not enough time to do a ton, but like, can you, can you say something at halftime to get this group motivated? Somebody please, who is that player? It seems to me that this is a group that lacks the overall leadership, and I have been effusive in my praise for how this team has built the roster with a veteran in every room. Rogers and and you know Aaron Jones. You've got Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb. You've got Mercedes Lewis. You've got Bakhtiari. You've got what like Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry on the defensive line. Devondre Campbell. You've got Razul Douglas. You've got Amos. You've got Mason Crosby. You've you've got leaders in every room. Will somebody please step up and and say like, hey, this is not acceptable and we're going to go out and we're going to change it. And right now I cannot point to any player or any part of this team or anything that shows that this team has any sort of heart of the champion to go and actually overcome some of the adversity that's being thrown at them and actually go out and play a a reasonably decent game of football. That is the ugliest brand of football that you can possibly imagine that they just played against the Jets. Every part of it, special teams, offense, defense, blocking, tackling, any any part that you want to point to was ugly. Drops, poor passes, you know, inaccuracies, fumbles, blocked punts, blocked field goals. Pick your poison. It was all ugly, and Green Bay never just got over it never had the heart to overcome any of it even close it was just heartless and it was so disappointing and aggravating and it wouldn't if this is just a one game like sample fine so be it that's it's not a big deal but this is the brand of football that we've seen from them the vast majority of the season and we can talk a lot about the offense and the identity on offense and all those sort of things i will say of everything in this game there's a lot of ugly. There's nothing as ugly as the blocking in this game. The, the blocking on offense, the blocking on field goal protection, the blocking on punt protection, the blocking all over the place was terrible. If they block better on offense, if they block better on the punt team, if they block better on the field goal team, that's seven points less for the Jets based off of a block punt. That's three points more for your offense. And I guarantee you, if you give Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones a little bit more real estate to work with, they're probably going to put a few more points on the board as well. This offensive line is so far below expectations right now that it is really hard to judge almost anything else on offense. The first part of that game, you've got jets flying in the backfield at 90 miles an hour and like good luck to your running backs and quarterbacks. And that just, that that is a force multiplier that makes everything worse. You can't block that makes Rodgers worse. You can't block that makes Dylan worse. You can't block that makes Jones worse. You can't block that makes your receivers worse. You can't block that makes your tight ends worse. It starts there. Josh Myers has to play better. John Runyon Jr. has to play better. Newman gets benched. They bring in Hanson. Hanson gets hurt. They bring in Newman. Newman stinks it up again. Newman at fault on the the field goal block. Him and Hanson right there on the field goal block. Elton Jenkins, David Batiri have to be better. All of it. Like the, the this is this was four man rush. This was not Robert Sala throwing crazy crap like Wink Martindale or any, like this was a four-man rush with some twists and stunts. And Green Bay was looking around like they had no idea how to overcome it. This sh- this is this is David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, a second round center, a uh, really solid guard last year in John Runyon Jr., who played really sound football a season ago. And yeah, you know what? You've got a weak point at right guard. You can't overcome one weak point at, 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 at on your offensive line. And it wasn't even just like getting out-muscled or out-physical. They were like outsmarted. Like this offensive line couldn't get it together to pick up a stunt on multiple occasions. That is completely unacceptable. And whatever, you know, Luke Butkus has been doing, this offensive line, we we have bragged about for years what Adam Stanovich has done with some really crappy offensive lines at at times. This is a offensive line that has seemingly almost all the pieces, maybe missing a player, but they can't get anything going at all. And for a, I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times we have heard, we got to get our best five guys on the line. Best five guys. It's just the best five guys. We don't care where they're playing. We're getting our best five guys out there. Best five guys. Like we could, I could do a, a tape of Matt LaFleur saying best five guys, that would be longer than this episode. Like, cause it's come up so many times yet. You've got Jake Hanson and Royce Newman on the field and Yash Nyman on the bench. That doesn't seem like best five guys. That seems stupid. It just does. And listen, maybe Yash is a nightmare at right tackle. Let's see. Let's try. Let's try. Because right now the offensive line is a nightmare and maybe just maybe even if Yash is a nightmare at right tackle, maybe getting Elton at right guard, maybe he all of a sudden starts playing really good at right guard. And you know what? Maybe that helps solidify the interior of the offensive line. And then maybe you just put a tight end on that side to help Yash a little bit. And maybe that helps that. And all of a sudden left to right, Bakhtiari and and Runyon and Myers and Jenkins look better because you don't have that issue at right guard. And even if right tackle is worse because Jenkins isn't out there and you've got you know Yash kind of getting through some ups and downs, at least then Like you can help that one spot rather than all of it seemingly falling apart, you know, at all times, like it starts with blocking. And if I had to, we could, we could literally do a laundry list and then guess what? We're going to uh, do a laundry list of things that have been going wrong. But in this game, if I had to label one, a on my list of issues, it's the blocking and the play of the offensive line. And like I said, it's not just permeating itself on the offense. They blocked a kick because you couldn't block up front. They blocked a punt because you couldn't block up front. That's not all on the offensive line. The punt block clearly is not uh, that is not offensive linemen, but the the field goal block or the the field goal block was that's Newman and, and Hansen. And I'm no special teams expert. I will be the first to readily admit that. Putting a three-man group on the interior of Coco, Hansen, and Royce Newman on the left side of the field goal protection team, probably not the best idea. Probably not not the best idea. This is a issue that stems to everything, right? This is not just coaching. This is not just players. This is roster construction. This is player development. This is game planning and scheme. This is execution. This is the players. This is all of it. This is going to take a major gut check by the Packers organization as a whole. And I want to talk about that roster construction a little bit because a couple things. First of all, It is very clear, abundantly clear that the Packers simply do not have the needed weapons and playmakers along the offense. And we can talk about the blocking, right? Because and I'll I'll say it right now, I don't care if they had Christian McCaffrey in the backfield and Devontae Adams at wide receiver and DJ Moore on the other side and Darren Waller at tight end, like those things are going to help. But if you can't block up front, you're still going to have an absolute nightmare of a time trying to win in the NFL. And the offensive line, it starts there. You have to block up front. So it it has to start there. But all that being said, we talked about it with Ben Solak last week. If you missed that episode, I would highly recommend checking it out. Green Bay has nobody that can stretch the field or scares you to the outside. I just talked about it a minute ago. You can throw deep bombs to Lazard or Cobb or Dobbs or Watson or Watkins or Rogers or Toure or any of them, and it's not going to fear. You're not going to put any fear in the defense. And they are going to feel like they can play single high safety. They can bring their corners and play press man. They've got an extra guy in the box to stop the run. And everything is going to feel condensed to the point of being claustrophobic if you're a quarterback. Add in Aaron Rodgers not having the same mobility that he once did, not having the arm talent that he once did, and everything is going to be extremely difficult. And Matt LaFleur has some things that he can do to work around that. He has a lot of the run solutions. He's got a lot of the, you know, little checkdowns. He's got a lot of the little quick plays that the, the defense is willing to give you. You can live in that world at times, but you have to have players who can run after the catch because you can't make a living of going 14 plays, 85 yards, time after time, after time, after time. It's just not going to work. You have to get explosives either down the field with the, the the big play attempts, which we've already covered. You can't do with the talent and the you know the talent that you have on the outside right now, or you've got to have the guys like the Debo Samuels, the AJ Browns, etc., where you can get the ball in their hands and they can go. And if we look at this offense and give a realistic diagnosis of the playmakers on offense right now, realistically, the only player, the only one player that is giving you any sort of fear is Aaron Jones. (laughs) It doesn't help that Green Bay doesn't seem to have any idea how to actually get the ball in his hands in space to be able to make those plays. But him being the only one is clearly a major, major problem. And Christian Watson, I do think has the ability to have that playmaking skill and get the ball in his hands and make plays. But they've... They've limited his usage. They don't seem to be actually willing to use him as a true wide receiver. They're getting him a couple gadget plays per game, and it has left a ton to be desired. Add in the fact that he can't stay on the field due to injury and some of the hamstring issues. And that has basically been put to the side for now as like a maybe that could kind of be something at some point. But if we're being realistic about it, if we're being truly realistic about it, that's probably a player that maybe looks really good a year, two years, three years from now where he's a fully complete player expecting him to get to the point where you need him to be, to be a true legitimate playmaker in this offense by the end of this season while fighting through hamstring injuries, missing training camp, and just being a rookie who didn't play a ton of true wide receiver snaps at a small school, no offense to North Dakota State, who's a fantastic school overall. But like, that's just not realistic. That's not setting yourself up for success. And they don't have like Robert Tunyon had what, like a 10 catch game, but he's getting what's there. Like he, he, he's not getting the ball and doing anything with it. Like Alan Lazard is not getting the ball in his hands and doing anything with it. Sammy Watkins isn't going to be that. Amari Rogers isn't going to be that. Now Randall Cobb is hurt. And even he has limited ability to do that. You don't have that player that gets the ball in their hands and is just able to go except for Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon can't do that. We saw him have opportunities in the open field, like on that little like outside screen, or like um, a swing pass, right? They throw, it was like, on, I think a third down, second down, second and whatever. It was like, I think it was like a third and short. And A.J. Dillon gets the little swing pass and he's one-on-one with, I think it was a corner of safety in and, and the open field. And Dillon just can't make that player miss. So you just don't have the guys that are able to make people miss and get those explosive plays after the catch. So we've covered the fact that you don't have guys that can win on the outside, that you can throw it to down the field, and you don't have guys that can get the ball in their hands on the simple plays and make anything with it down the field, which means that your margin for error is extremely, extremely thin. And then add on top of it, you're not blocking up front. And Aaron Rodgers is like, like he's, he's you know, I don't know like what adjective we want to use here But like, he's clearly not the same quarterback, right? And the arm talent is just not there. And like, like it was like, he just doesn't have the same zip on his ball that he did in his prime. That's not a hot take. That's just what it is. And the mobility is basically gone, right? We've seen him now throughout the season, try to do that play where he's got that little step up in the pocket to the right, where he can step up in the pocket and roll to his right and throw it on the field. He steps up in that pocket and he's like, he just can't get there. Like he just can't get through that little hole to make a play every once in a while, We saw that play to Tunyon along the sideline where he was able to kind of escape from a sack and use his arm uh, to get the ball to Tunyon. We see a flash of that every once in a while, but you can't live in that world anymore. And part of that, when we're talking about roster construction, is the issue as well. You are paying Aaron Rodgers to be the MVP and the, the player who can elevate... Everybody around you. He can get you into the right call at the line of scrimmage. He can get you know the the ball out of his hands quickly. He can pinpoint the ball with accuracy. He can make a you know a bad a good play out of a bad play where he escapes out of the pocket and, and rolls right and makes some of those dynamic plays. That's the player that you're paying the top dollar for as is the highest paid player in football, basically, right? Except he's not that anymore. He's He's, he's got to be like the, the the point guard of the offense where he just kind of gets the ball and distributes in hopes that everyone else kind of does the heavy lifting. And this is not an offense that has the weapons. There's no more Devontae Adams. There's not an MBS to stretch the field. There's not those weapons on the outside to where you can just get the ball and let the the, you know, the, the receivers or the, the, the talent do the heavy lifting. Add in an offensive line that's leaky and him trying to escape and get out of pressure and just being like five steps slower than what he used to be. And this is ultimately what you get. You get a 10-point performance against the New York Jets at home where nothing is working. And I mean nothing is working. So I, I talked about I, I did an episode a few weeks ago of how the, the Packers really missed the boat with the, the A.J. Brown trade. And some of that maybe is, is benefit of hindsight. But I do think Green Bay has an issue where they're, they're just ultimately valuing their long-term development of draft picks too much. And listen, I am a draft and develop guy. I I think that overall philosophy is the right philosophy, but there comes a time and a place where your roster is set as such. And this is probably more for like the last two years than probably this year, but there's a time and a place where you have to go all in and, and trade some of your future assets to make sure that you have the talent to win in that moment. And Like let's just say for this season's sake, for like AJ Brown, right, to give you a a guy that can actually win after the catch and be a bit of a playmaker to help your offense out, he was traded I think for like a first and a third, first and a fourth, something like that. I forget exactly what the 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 trade terms were, but Green Bay had two firsts and two second round picks going into that draft, right? And they it it was very clear that after trading Devontae, that they needed to find a way to to gain talent to help win now. They go and they get Quay Walker, Devonte Wyatt, and use the two seconds to get up and, and get Christian Watson. Quay Walker basically got benched in some regard where he was no longer on the field and obvious passing downs. So they took him off the field and put Rudy Ford in at safety and Adrian Amos moved into the box. Devonte Wyatt is borderline not playing, like just a handful of snaps per game and not making an impact. And Christian Watson, we've talked about, there's some flash there. And I'll say it straight up. I like the long-term, you know, like what I think they can be long-term for, for Quay and for Devante and for Christian. I think they have all have the ability to be really good players down the line, but they're not right now. And I would, this is of course somewhat tongue in cheek and somewhat benefit of hindsight as well. But I, I dare you to call the Eagles right now and say, Hey, We'll give you Quay Walker, Devonte Wyatt, and Christian Watson for, for A.J. Brown and see how fast they hang up the phone. Like you can value draft picks too much. You just can. And that, that isn't to say that all three of those guys all three, like you might be able to play this clip back in a few years and and like when AJ Brown is probably a little bit on the decline and, and maybe you know working through some injuries or stuff and hopefully Devontae Wyatt Christian Watson and koi Walker are all you know fighting for Pro Bowl spots uh, whatever like the pro Bowl is at that point but uh, and, and you might be able to play that back and say like dude how idiot of a take was that I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors, Personally, I love the lime and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled liquid death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday.
1: Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash That's harrys.com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set. But the truth is, is that your windows right now,
2: your windows not two, three years from now, and or at least the window had been open, it seemed like, and you get guys that are probably going to be good two, three years from now. And AJ Brown is pretty darn good right now and would give your offense probably a pretty big boost. And right now, if you took Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, and Christian Watson, well, Wyatt's not playing, Watson didn't play, and Quay Walker's only basically now on early downs, if you you took those three off the field, I don't know that you would actually miss all that much, if we're being totally honest, especially the way Chris Barnes was playing uh, prior to his injury. And, you know, now all of a sudden you're playing Rudy Ford at safety and Adrian Amos in the box. Devontae Wyatt, not really playing. You've got four good defensive linemen outside of him that are playing ahead of him anyway. And you know, Christian Watson, you've got depth at wide receiver. That's not going to change him. And all of a sudden you've got AJ Brown instead of Christian Watson. Yeah. Sign me up for that. And before you say, well, like salary cap, no, AJ Brown right now, his salary cap for this season fits in the salary cap. So that's not an excuse either. So the, the construction of this team, the big thing that I want to say is a, they they there's just not enough weapons. And I feel for Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in some capacity, but they've got to make work with what they have, and they're doing a very poor job of that. And Aaron Rodgers is getting paid to be the guy that elevates everyone else, and he's not. He is playing poor football. Is everything else falling apart around him? Is the offensive line allowing easy pressure? Yes. Are the weapons on the outside getting open? No. Are is everyone else doing their job? No. But he is the player that is is paid for and thought of as the guy who can elevate everyone else. And he's not, and he has to hit those throws. Like when you've got Aaron Jones streaking down the field, you have to hit that throw. When you've got Robert Tunyon wide open, you know, for a first down on your first drive of the game, and you underthrow him to almost to a pick six because the ball bounces in the air, almost off of Tunyon's hands, that should have been an easy completion for a first down. Those are the things that can't happen right now for Aaron Rodgers. So the other thing that I'll say here is I know... All the, the, you know, everyone's gonna be, well, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, or, you know, DJ Moore, whomever, right? There is no one thing right now that Green Bay can do. There's not a Robbie Anderson, a Christian McCaffrey, a, a DJ Moore, Zach at guard, Elton Jenkins moving inside, more press man, a new kick returner, a new punt returner. There's no one or even probably two things that's going to fix everything. There's nothing. This is going to have to be a team that has a major gut check and figures things out moving forward and finds a way to elevate everything as a team right now or they are going nowhere and it's going to get very ugly very fast. And just as we thought some things were starting to get better, special teams, for example, that rears its ugly head. You can't have a field goal block that takes three points off the board in that game. You can't have a punt block that goes for seven the other way. And hey, kudos, you got a punt block of your own. Green Bay's offense squanders that opportunity away by going backwards when they get the football. And that's not a special teams issue, but that's just the uncomplimentary football that Green Bay is playing at this very moment. Special teams... Man, like it literally felt like that's the one unit that was like starting to get things together. And then they showed that they have the ability to like to lose a game in and of itself. Now they didn't do that because the offense was hot garbage as well. But if that was a close game, even if the offense put up, uh, you know, a couple more drives in that game, that's a game that they probably lose simply due to their special teams. Meanwhile, the defense, I thought there was some really good defense in this game. The first half was extremely impressive. Yes, against Zach Wilson. Yes, whatever. But I thought they had a really nice first half. And then you get the three and out in the second half. And then the bizarro stretch of Green Bay defensive play rears its ugly head. And I am willing to, like, if this was, again, the first time this happened, I would be willing to give a lot more forgiveness because the offense and special teams set the defense up for failure this entire game, but game still in the balance game, very much still in the balance. The the Jets go three straight drives in the second half, four plays seventy four yards touchdown, five plays sixty six yards touchdown, thirteen plays fifty eight yards field goal. And at, and at the end of the day, like we could make us like we could make the easy argument, right, that the Jets uh, that the Packers defense allowed the Jets twenty points in this game because the seven was clearly on the special teams. But that's still, against Zach Wilson and friends, not good enough at home. 20 points allowed. Like The the average in the NFL right now is 21 points. I don't consider the Jets one of the better offenses in the NFL. I just don't. So they were around an average performance, and they didn't really get any takeaways or anything like that either. That's not a good enough performance. And when the game is in the balance and your team needs you to step up, your offense is struggling, your special teams is struggling, you have to be the heart of this team Again, four plays, 74 yards, touchdown, five plays, 66 yards, touchdown, 13 plays, 58 yards, field goal. And the key thing there was tackling. They really struggled to tackle, especially Brees Hall in this game. Other things I'll say, we can talk about the the talent that they don't have on the team, some of the ingredients that they're missing. We can talk about the scheme. We can talk about the coaches. There are way too many players that are just not playing good enough football. Aaron Rodgers, AJ Dillon, Elton Jenkins, Adrian Amos, Eric Stokes, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Darnell Savage. None of them are playing the football and I'm sure there's more too you could certainly make an argument Razul Douglas you could certainly make an argument uh, you know of, of probably multiple other players Dean Lowery Preston Smith you could make an argument for let's just say the, the truth right there's very few players that are playing up to the level of their of what you would expect out of them but that comes down to players too it is a it is a constant state of a different individual player screwing something up on almost every play. We got drops from A.J. Dillon. We got a handoff between Rodgers and Dillon that goes wrong. We got Rodgers missing easy passes. We've got the special teams finally setting the offense up and they go backwards. You got a holding penalty on a big Aaron Jones run. You've got uh, just all of it, right? Like you have nobody complimenting the other part of the team and you have no players that are you know playing consistently enough where this offense can actually get anything going or the defense can play consistent defense or the special teams can get out of its own way and not have a massive screw up like there's a new individual player who's screwing something up on almost every play and that is that goes to coaching that goes to players that goes to execution that goes to all of it it's just really really bad and so disappointing from a team that's gone and won 13 games in three consecutive seasons under Matt LaFleur last couple things and I'm going to try to get through this quickly because I mean we could go on for a while here trust me we could we could go for a lot longer i hated how they responded to adversity in this game first of all losing a, a game a week ago and just coming back and crapping the bed for the second consecutive week is not doing anything to you know quell any fears of where this team is headed but even in this game right you're you're 3 to 3 going into halftime you get a 3 and out and then the Packers have their offensive struggles and the Jets get the ball. They, the Jets finally get their first touchdown and it's 10 to 3. Okay, how do you respond? You finally get punched in the face. You're down by a touchdown. It's 10 to 3. How do you respond? Packers offense immediately has to punt the ball away. Punt is blocked and it's a touchdown at 17 to 3. And now the game is totally different. They did not respond to adversity at all. All right, so how do you respond to that? 17 to 3. The Packers offense finally goes down. They score a touchdown. They make it 17 to 10. All right. There's hope. There's some real hope that Green Bay can get back in the game. How do they respond? How can can they get the ball back? Jets go down and immediately drive and score a touchdown, make it 24, 10. All right. 24, 10, not undoable, right? It's the Jets. Like I know things haven't been going great, but you've got Aaron Rodgers. There's always a puncher's chance. How do you respond to that? They ultimately get a turnover on downs, still 24-10. All right, the defense, like the, the the chance of victory here is extremely slim, but you get a three and out, you still got three timeouts. Maybe you can go down and score, get the ball back, go down and score again. Probably unlikely, but how do you respond? Jets go on a 13-play drive, taking six minutes and 38 seconds off the clock, using up green base timeouts, and they score a field goal, making it a three-score game. Never responded back. They, they had the one touchdown to make it 17-10, and then immediately give up a touchdown to make it 24 to 10. And then it's just over. Did not respond to adversity at all. You had a little Matt LaFleur huddle along the sideline when it was 0 to 0, trying to after that A.J. Dillon fumble where he's trying to get everything motivated. It was 0 0 at that time. They lost 27 to 10. And maybe the biggest kick to the gut or groin or any other body part that you want to get kicked in just for the sake of fun, I would make a very strong argument that the, the Jets defense, let's be real, the Jets defense had a nice game, right? But overall in this game, the Jets weren't good. The Jets were not good in this game, specifically on offense and special teams. You had the, the blocked punt by the Jets that, that that they allowed that gave you know Green Bay great field position. They missed a field goal. They were one of 11 on third down. Zach Wilson was 10 of 18 for 110 yards, two sacks, no touchdowns. Jets didn't hit 300 yards of total offense. They had seven penalties for 79 yards, including like some ridiculous ones that gave Green Bay first downs and the Packers lost by 17 at home to a Jets team that for the most part, besides their defense, played like total crap. That is the most discouraging thing of everything is that the Jets, Jets, a fine football team that I don't think is quite hitting its stride yet and really doesn't have a quarterback played a bad game overall and won by 17 against Green Bay in Green Bay so what can Green Bay do from here as I mentioned earlier there's no perfect solution there's no one thing that they're going to be able to do. there's a couple of things I would start off with and this is probably in vain but this is where I would start Adam Stenovich is going back in the offensive line room full-time. We'll figure something else out for, like, LaFleur, whether LaFleur has to take more on from an offensive standpoint or, you know, you give Mike Clements more. I don't know what from an offensive coordinator standpoint, but Adam Stenovich has to live in the offensive line room right now. There's That is the easiest, simplest thing that like he's been able to make magic work with that offensive line through the last three years. He's got to do it again with much better players this time around. Sorry, Luke Buckus. It hasn't been good enough. Adam's got to take over and that has to be the first thing. And yes, I would move Elton Jenkins to guard, put Yasho to right tackle. Let's try something different. Will it work? No idea. Am I willing to give it a shot? You bet I am. I don't know. Maybe you can look at a veteran offensive tackle. I don't know what the status of a Brian Bulaga is, but like, that's how crazy it's gotten. Like, do you have to make a call to Brian Bulaga to see if his knees still attached to see if that could potentially work or like something? Is there a veteran offensive tackle and Eric Fisher, something out there that could potentially work that could just be a serviceable right tackle if you don't trust trust Yash over there? Because if they don't trust Yash and Elton can't play it, they don't have a right tackle. That's a major problem. That goes back to, to roster building as well. But is there something they can do in the meantime? Elton's going back to guard. Yash is moving out to right tackle. I do think they have to find somebody who can stretch the field. Personally, I would not put more investment into this season. I don't think it's smart to do at this point, but if you want to give your team of puncher's chance at even doing anything remotely competitive the remainder of this year, you have to acquire somebody who can stretch the field. Even in, I, I immediately saw people be like, so what, Aaron Rodgers can miss him by 15 yards again? Even just the threat of somebody on the outside will give defenses a little bit more pause to you know to play playing single high and cramming everything back up quite as much. If you've got somebody who can beat you, maybe it has to be a more like a bigger jump ball type target. Maybe it's not a speed guy. Maybe it's somebody who can win a jump ball on the outside with more consistency. I don't know. I don't have a player in mind. I just don't. I don't think there's gonna be somebody that you're gonna be readily available to find and trade for that player. But if you wanna have a legitimate chance that, like I said, we, we talked all episode about not having a guy on the outside that can do what you need them to do, you you have to go find somebody. Or Brian Gudekins has got to pull his Razul Douglas out of his hat and find a, some crazy practice squad wide receiver that all, all like all of a sudden plays like Randy Moss. Like You've got to figure out something because teams don't honor your deep threats on the outside. And that is a major, major problem right now. And then you've got to become a run first team. I don't care if they've got 11 guys in the box. You've got to figure out something more creative to run the ball. Guess what? Saquon Barkley sees 11, like sees eight-man boxes all the time. This Jets offense with Brees Hall and Michael Carter, the Packers were stacking the box against them and making Zach Wilson beat them. Guess what? They stuck with it. Brees Hall was fantastic, and they found a way to be a run-first team. Is it pretty all the time? No, but the Giants and the Jets played the brand of football that the Packers need to be playing. They've got to be a run-first team that plays good defense and wins ugly. This is not... The Greg Jennings, James Jones, Donald Driver, Jermichael Finley, Jordy Nelson, you know, explosive playmakers everywhere with a, you know, 20 something quarterback who's got a laser rocket arm and legs for that can run for 100 yards if you let him. This is not that team. You have to let Jones and Dylan do the heavy lifting that starts up front. You've got to have blockers. You've got to use your wide receivers that are blockers on the outside. Adam Stenovich has got to get this offensive line to step up. It is a serious, serious gut check time for this organization right now how they respond to this adversity a better be better than what we saw against the Jets after an ugly loss to the Giants but we're about to learn a lot about Matt LaFleur and this organization as a whole on how they respond to this and like I said it is a major gut check time right now for the organization as a whole we could go uh, probably an hour more on some of the things that were super ugly in this game but I guess that's what the rest of this week is for because it's going to be a rough week in Packerland once again I will do my best to find some positives moving forward. Hopefully the All-22 will diagnose some things that are maybe easy fixes or maybe some things that went right and we just didn't get to see them. I'm not super hopeful of that, but you never quite know what you're gonna see on the All-22 and the tape doesn't lie. So I will be back tomorrow. To break down that beautiful tape and see if there's anything else that stood out. So make sure to subscribe if you have not already. I will be back for Pack-A-Day Live on Tuesday with Peter Bukowski. It feels appropriate if we're going to go scorched earth this week to bring in Peter uh, to go over this current state of the Green Bay Packers. So that will be Pack-A-Day Live. That does it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. There's a lot of season left, but until next time and as always, and even today when things look the bleakest, go Pack-Go.